Welcome to Gu Dao Jingxing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Tao Te Ching and Taoism literature to uncover its timeless wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm David Wang, executive coach. I'm joined by my co-host Ian Felton, practicing psychotherapist. Good morning, Ian. Morning, David. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How about you? I'm doing great. So, you know, before we delve into our main topic today,、uh, why let's share with our listeners why we created this podcast. Well, I have a lot of feelings and and thoughts about it going back to. When I first went to college and really started exploring other ideas than the ideas that I grew up around, I grew up in West Virginia, and things were pretty—I mean, conservative, but not in like a—I mean, more in like a working-class kind of way. People were. Largely Christian, but not like super preachy about it. It was something that people didn't necessarily talk about, but like it was assumed that you you know believed in Jesus and、mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. So when I went to college and really started exploring Tao Te Ching, was one of the first books that I encountered that I was just like, "Wow, this is really different and really cool." and、mm-hmm. There's something about it that just resonated with me that made sense, even though I was probably only 18 or 19 years old and didn't really know much about anything.、Mm-hmm. It still just made sense. And then later on in life, because for whatever reason this book just really got into my bones, I started studying Chinese language because. I wanted to be able to study Tao Te Ching in in Chinese,、mm-hmm. and so you know I I studied Chinese for a long time, still do, and then that's kind of when I ran in to you,、mm-hmm. and we kind of started our discussion because of your interest in、um, philosophy and religion and、mm-hmm. just a lot of the same things that I am. And through our discussions, I think we both started realizing, like, oh, you know, some of these are pretty interesting discussions, and and maybe it would also help us to think about recording them just to kind of focus things and have more of a framework around it. And so, essentially, it became aware for us to share our discussions around this this book. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. That that that's a quite interesting uh, journey. Uh, you know the the story. You know I can、um, I can imagine that Tao Te Ching and、uh, you know the、uh, Lao Tzu's、uh, ideas open up. You know kind of a different perspectives. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.、Um, and how about for you? Because obviously you you were. Exposed to this way of thinking much much earlier than I. What what's your 
path and story on about this podcast and how yeah. it came to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me personally, um, you know, I was born in the culture where, you know, this uh, Lao Tzu and Tao Te Ching kind of uh, was kind of rooted in that culture. Mm -hmm. But when I was young, you know, I was pretty, uh, you know, I, other people told me that you can't study it because it's too detached from the world. You're supposed mm -hmm. to be ambitious. Mm. Um, so, um, so when I came to this country, interestingly, I brought that book, uh, with me, uh, a copy of that book, which I, you know, happened to buy from, um, uh, a Taoist Dao monastery, uh, in, in Beijing. Mm. I still remember the, that book is like, uh, quite kind of the ancient Chinese text. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I brought it here to the United States. And when I was at Harvard, uh, you know, I study all the Western ideas and the philosophy and occasionally I read it. Um, I read it, but I think it was, you know, even though I was exposed to that, uh, those ideas, Taoist ideas, probably earlier than you did, um, I didn't give much attention to it until later in my life. I think what I learned along the way, especially in my college here, is actually learn um, what I would call the, the knowledge of the head, the head knowledge. Um, and eventually, as I, you know, I um, became uh, more and more familiar with the working of the world, then I asked myself a question. I said, so these head knowledges, you know, it's good to those concepts, those frameworks, those models um, are interesting to know. But what kind of value, what kind of real impact uh, they really had on me? When mm. I asked that reflective question, I felt uh, actually very little. I mean, it's all, um, you know, a lot of all those are concepts. And, um, you know, I live my life more intuitively and instinctively. Mm -hmm. So that's where, you know, again, I went to Dao De Jing and learned about Lao Tzu's idea and find it, you know, very uh, amazing, which is um, it doesn't anchor itself in any kind of a conceptual framework, just as mm -hmm. at the very beginning, you know, Tao is nameless. Uh, mm. It's not only nameless; it's also timeless. So nowadays, when our you know we're living in a world of, I would say, disorder or disillusionment or even like despair, mm -hmm. uh, we all have that craving for, you know, certain things that are not here one day and the and, you know and and, and yeah yeah a lot of the I would say a lot of the uh, flavor of the year, flavor. I mean, those things, ideologies, and you know, different ideas. They have a certain kind of life cycle to it, right? So they get very popular and then they go away. Uh, it doesn't fulfill me. Uh, you know, I'm looking for something, not like static, statically uh, yeah. kind of constant, but dynamic, 
but it's always there. It's always present. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. Tao seems to capture um, that thing. Even you know, I hesitate to call it a thing. So we bump into mm -hmm. each other, and uh, you know, I'm amazed that you know, even though I came from the culture where you know Taoism emerged, but somehow you know, just um, we kind of all we both cross that you know our our own cultural space and kind of connect with each other around that thing i find it that amazing and we mm -hmm. it, it all kind of comes down to walking the timeless way uh in other words i i think that even title for our podcast is meaningful because again uh two things one is uh it's not just the head knowledge. You know, mm -hmm. we are not the, you know, academics who study the original text. All right? That's not our main interest, like debating. We're not researchers. Yeah, we're not researchers. And, you know, we don't mean to find the right interpretation, uh, even though we study very closely the original text. Uh, but we, we're not doing that from an academia, academic perspective. What we really want to do is to walk the way, the, walk, yeah. the, uh, the, the timeless way, the, the way, the principle or whatever you call it, that transcends time and space, that give us yeah. a sense of um, a sense of direction or a, cent a center mm -hmm. uh, that is not dogmatic mm -hmm. uh, or fixed but still give us that center to help us navigate this chaotic time of ours. So that's the kind of the, um, the driver, I would say, that give us the interest and, uh, and the momentum to just keep on talking and walking the time this way. Yeah, there's that paradox there of wanting something constant, but also isn't static that it it does change and the the walking in the title that's what that implies walking implies movement it implies change it implies embodiment in mm -hmm. a body that can walk it implies all of those things but within a space that is timeless and that that is the paradox of what we're talking about but that's what we learn from Taoism, that life is just all of these infinite paradoxes that we're situated in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, obviously we live in time, right? We cannot, we live in time. But at the same time, I sometimes I get the feeling that we live in time. And also there's a timeless dimension to our being. So that's the most interesting yeah. part. So how do you integrate these two? So that you know we um, respond to the movement of time, but at the same time we're living in that timeless space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So just for the you know uh, for our discussion, uh, you know, I'm curious about uh, you know over the past week. Um, did you experience anything, you know, that kind of walking the timeless way moment? Yeah, I remember 
I was walking toward the elevator one day and the way that the light was coming in the window at the end of the hallway, it just, it kind of created this really majestic sense inside of me of just, you know, walking down this dark corridor toward Mm. the light. And in that moment, I had recognized that I wasn't caught up in my thoughts at all, that I was just having this experience and kind of an experience beyond words. And in that moment, I was, I, I was reminded again about how limiting our words are and that Tao, when it talks about the, the limits of knowledge, that that is what it's talking about, that, that words can trap us, can imprison us, can keep us from going into that intuitive place where we are walking the timeless way where we sense just this, the immense weight of Mm -hmm. being alive, the immense weight of existing in a way that you, you just can't put it in to words. And when you try to, you just sound silly. And I know, again, the the irony of us talking about Mm -hmm. that, but it's, it's the only option that we have. Um, so here, here we are, but yeah, that was one of the moments I had this week. How about you? Or what's your reaction to that? Um, just, uh, you know, two days ago, uh, you know, I have this, uh, daily ritual of, uh, walking in the morning, like for just doing some exercise. Mm -hmm. And, um, usually I walk along around the lake, you know, I walk for two rounds of the the lake uh, in my neighborhood, you know, just for some, you know, variety, you know, just at the last moment, I decided to change the route. Okay, so I I was walking down a new path. And along the way, it's interesting, I saw a, you know, it's already, you know, springtime here. So I saw the blades of grass. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, I, I caught a glimpse of a yellow, yellow flower. And later on, you know, I, I took a picture of it. Yellow, uh, l- later on, I look up and it's called some, something, you know, it's called African iris. Okay. Mm. That little flower really like touched me and inspired me for whatever reason. Let me just try to describe that moment. Um, you know, it's early in the morning. So you, you early on, you talked about the light. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, really, the light, the streams of light through the blades of the grass, it just kind of landed, you know, on the flower. Okay, mm-hmm. so you can see the flower. There's the kind of transparent part, the petals, right, and with mm-hmm. the light. It's it's really beautiful. It's yellow, and 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 then, and the, the little wind in the in the wind. The flower is just a little like a dancing around, dancing a little bit. Mm. But I, I think the, I would say the, uh, the, really at that moment, there was the silence that I appreciate a lot. 
And I, you know, I suddenly I say, see how noisy the world the world is. You know, all the news media thing, and as you、mm-hmm. said, all the words, image, like the, you know, images that try to catch your attention. But this flower doesn't seek any of those. It just like by itself, just naturally there. It's embraced by the sunlight. It does its own thing, right? Follow the natural cycle. How beautiful it is! You know, it doesn't seek to catch any attention. I could pass by very quickly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to it. It's just being what the flower is supposed to be. So that that's the I would say a moment that really、mm. like touches me. Yeah, I can see why that that reminder that a, a flower blossoming that is the news. You know, that's the real news. When we walk out the door and see those changes happening, that is what is happening. And yet, our society wants to try to. Keep us in this like poisonous frame of mind where it's just nothing but bad things happening all around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think going、uh, not to be、uh, stuck in that realm and occasionally、uh, unstuck ourselves, unplug ourselves、mm-hmm. from that world, it really provides a sense of freshness. You know a You know, some breathing room for us. You know, we restore. I think the it, it was Emerson who said, you know, in the woods we re, we restore our faith and、uh, re and and reason. He used the word faith, which happens to be you know our main topic today. You know, which、mm-hmm. is you know we talk usually the faith is associated with. You know,、uh, religions like Christianity, or you know, anything that、um, you know, maybe、uh, Judaism, you know, Islamism. But、uh, but I think faith, in the broadest sense, seems to be something that、um, that we 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 have or we use to help us navigate our lives. You know, I was wondering if you know whether. In Lao's idea, even though we know that he didn't even he he didn't use that very word of faith,、mm-hmm. right? But whether there's something in there that he implied the faith in some ways, what do you think? Well, this one is. Just a very, very complex、mm. thing to to explore.、Um, I'm I'm, I'm going to get to Lauza, but I feel like first I just have to kind of talk about just the general state of existence that I'm guessing Lauza as insightful and intuitive、mm-hmm. as. Lauza was would have had some some thoughts on it, but we were kind of in the situation where the only thing that we ever really experience during our lives is our own nervous system, and so you know if if you 
don't believe that if if you wear wear glasses or corrective lenses just you know slip them down for a moment and see what the world looks like and and obviously as soon as you do that you recognize that the world completely changes into something else because your nervous system now is projecting a different world without using the corrective lenses so you are so, talking about this perception right ability to see or to sense well yes but but even beyond that that you know all that is the experience of life that it all happens within our nervous system whatever world is out there we don't perceive it directly we only perceive it as our nervous system produces it in other words all reality exists within our nervous system we don't know what reality lies beyond our nervous system so that's kind of the first thing that we're kind of reckon that we have to recognize and so e even acknowledging that there's a world beyond our nervous system then is a leap of faith because mm -hmm. okay because we don't know what our nervous system is actually drawing from so for example bats that use sonar they have a different nervous system right. the world that they bring forth is a completely different world than the world that a human a homo sapien nervous system mm -hmm. brings forth so all of these beings including that flower that you saw this morning they bring forth a unique world we don't know what the actual world is all of the things that we bring forth are products of a nervous system we don't know what what is there in actuality so i remember kant you know made the distinction between the world as things are i can't remember the philosophical term for that yeah, and the sensory or the phenomenon world right the world beyond yeah. our senses yeah. we just do that's the limit of knowledge we, we just don't have access to that kind of the world right because even the instruments that we create we create instruments that our senses can read and if we couldn't read them they would be useless and so even that when we measure the world and the universe we're still only measuring the things that we can measure with tools that our senses can make sense of so we know that we're trapped in our senses and our nervous system and so the first leap of the first item of faith is even believing that there is a world beyond our nervous system and i do have faith in that like i do believe that there is a world beyond my nervous system but it is a matter of faith i really don't know that there is mm -hmm. i could be my nervous system could be in a jar somewhere it could be in a computer i really don't know why I'm perceiving what I'm perceiving, but I am. And I do have faith that there is an actual world beyond my nervous system. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that, and, and, but, but we take that for granted. We take that for granted because it isn't the normal 
trance that we're in as we go through life, we take it for granted that when I'm out walking through the park that I'm in the world and it's like, no, I'm just in my own consciousness. Right, 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 right. What difference does it make to come to that realization, do you think? What kind of impact of having what you just shared on your experiencing their life with that additional, you know, that faith? So the first thing is humility. And I think the humility of not knowing. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's the first thing. The next thing is I need other people because I know that my nervous system is flawed and distorted. Just like I said, when I pull my glasses down, I, it's really easy to see how distorted my, my nervous system is. Like there's, there's all kinds of distortions and I don't know, there's the distortions of my sight, my ears, but also the distortions of the beliefs that arose from things that happened to me in the past those are distortions. So I have to recognize that in any given moment, how I'm perceiving someone or the situation is a huge distortion. And that if five people were there, they're all they're each nervous system is going to bring forth a different world. And so mine is just one of many. So in other words, by, you know, by needing others or relying others, you can potentially, you know, like we all have our blind spots, let's say, to put it in, in exactly. simple terms, right? I would say we live in a giant blind spot. We, we live in a giant, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I can relate to that because I think, you know, for example, um, you know, our spouses, you know, tend to have a different way of seeing things. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of times, you know, we are 100% I'm sure that, you know, that's how it works. But, you know, have that additional, um, you know, alternative perspective really helps a lot in terms of managing, you know, risk or, you know, things like that. Yep. You know, if we take that and think about, oh, you know, we rely on a diversity of perspectives from so many people, like every, mm -hmm. right? I mean, sometimes I wouldn't see, we need the perspective of non-humans, right? Those are yep. equally valuable, you know. Exactly. And so, and so this is leading me then to, even though Lao Tzu doesn't say anything specifically about faith, to, mm -hmm. to, to some, something that he does say that I think can be some things that we can have more faith in, and that he does imply that we, we, it benefits us to have faith in it. And that's the three treasures. So Lao Tzu says, I have three treasures and it's kindness, being moderate and not putting yourself first. And so when we kind of look at that through the lens of everything that we were just talking about, about our limitations and blind spots, why do you think maybe Lao Tzu thinks that those three treasures are so important? Wow. 
I well, I first of all to tell the truth, living in our culture today, all these three things Lao's talked about take a leap of faith, right? So why you know the the compassion, uh, the humility. So you know in our culture, like say, I would say, if I do not have any faith, the, my natural response is being not being humble. Right, mm. I need to fight back, and uh, be, being in front of people other than just be the the last one, because this world is like, you know, winner takes it all world. Yeah, dog eat dog, winner takes it all. Exactly. So I would say first, my response is, it really takes a leap of faith. But where does that leap of faith come from? I think. That is a kind of interesting question because I think it's really rooted in some deep wisdom or some very quiet observation of how things really work over a long period of time in、mm. a deeper way. Because、mm. you know, a lot of times the reason we believe that you should fight or you should be the you know the at the very top. Is we are looking at the surface of things over a small period of time. If you、mm-hmm. trace and look at history, look at big empires, look at those leaders who seem to、uh, to be on the spotlight today, but then later on something happens to the empire to something.、Um, I think we miss that part. So, so in other words, I sort of feel like faith. Faith is not like blind. Would you agree? It maybe it's intuitive. It maybe it's a way of seeing things. But certain people see things in a shorter, narrow ver- version, versus see it. You know, because Laozi is a historian, right?、Yeah. Working the, so he must have seen. You know, the dynasties and rulers over a longer period of time that. Somehow led him to conclude that those three treasures are the things that really serve you well. What do you think? Yeah, so there's there's certainly the the study of of history and and observation, and I think that that observation. Mm-hmm. Does lead to those conclusions that you know because we need other people. Yeah, if we're mean to them, they're not going to want to be around us. They might fawn loyalty long enough until they have the right moment to strike. Yeah, but that that's only as long as、um, that's going to be true, and so. That's the first. I mean, that's it's a simplification, but I think just the fact that we need other people means yes, we should be kind to them,、mm-hmm. and then similarly, not putting ourselves first. That this gets to be a little more going into psychology, but when we when we have that realization that we don't really know. Anything about existence, why we're here, what's really true or not about our own existence, 
I think some people realize that and they can become very solipsistic mm-hmm. or focus just on themselves and get these a way of dealing with the scariness of that is to become really grandiose. So in other words, someone has the realization I'm not really important in the universe. Like the universe is so vast and huge. Right. And I'm just this little speck of nothing. Some people can't tolerate that. And so they become very grandiose. They put themselves first. And I see people who do that, who have manic episodes and they think that they are um, some kind of like spiritual healer from heaven or, you know, going to save humanity and, you know, they're delusional and they're putting themselves first. And so like that, that's the extreme of it where, when you can accept our humble place in the universe, people can become very grandiose and then they can justify doing all kinds of really bad things, bad behavior because, you know, they see themselves as a savior or or whatever. And so you can justify anything that you do at that point. So I think, um, again, that, Faith then plays a role where, well, if I can see how small and a humble of a place I occupy in the universe, if I put myself first, that's not going to work out very well for me. I don't have to put myself first and I can still serve a purpose. You know, helping other people in a small way is still significant. It's from a humble place I don't have to be some great grand thing in the universe. And actually that hurts like hell to think that you're that important. It actually is a very painful experience being a humble person. Who's just here to help out the situation in some small way. Mm -hmm. That psychologically is a much healthier place to occupy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so having faith in that, having faith that being humble and a tiny speck in the universe is, is okay. Right. Like, right. Wrong with that. I can have faith in that. I guess, you know, as I'm listening, you know, I'm still have some difficulty with this word faith because usually in, mm-hmm. you know, uh, ordinary languages, it kind of implies a certain sense of certitude, you know, certitude, like a mm-hmm. your certainty or belief. Mm-hmm. So, what what do you think is the, the the essence of faith? You know, based on what we've talked so far, because it sounds like every time I think about a, that faith, you know, it's a set of principles it's a set of something you know that seem to be cut in the stone is that what is really about or what is the kind of what is faith i still 
you know, trying to think about? I, I think we can be pragmatic about it and just say faith is the thing that keeps us from going mad. Ah, tell us about that. Yeah. Can you, can you, yeah. Why, 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 you know, why do you say that? Because if anyone was truly skeptical, and this is something that Noam Chomsky has mentioned, that if you were truly a skeptic, you wouldn't survive three seconds because you would go mad. I mean, the kind of skepticism where you don't believe that you're actually real or that any of this is, is real, that would lead to immediate insanity. Mm-hmm. So we have to believe in something to not go mad. Now, that's where we have to be careful about that. And I think, again, that's why Lao Tzu gave us the three treasures, because it's the pragmatic psychological impact on us. It, it, it doesn't even matter if it's true in a grand way. We can just look at it biologically, which I think is the only way for us to look at reality fundamentally, we're biological organisms. Again, if you don't believe that, that's fine. I do. And so the, the, our beliefs impact that organism. Our beliefs impact how that organism's nervous system functions or doesn't function. So we do have to be careful what we believe in. If you believe you are God, you are going to do some weird shit that is not going to work out well. Like I've seen people do that and they end up institutionalized or shot or in the hospital. So um, similarly, if you believe that you're nothing, you're going to be depressed. You're going to... Um, allow all sorts of things to happen to you because your boundaries aren't in place. So we do have to have beliefs just practically for, to help us manage our nervous system because of how our biological organism is structured. So to some extent, I think that really is the pragmatic place to start from, which is the importance of faith for our psychology and the importance of our psychology for this very flawed biological organism, Homo sapien, to navigate the complicated world that civilization has created. Yeah, that's a good point. So in other words, uh, just as, you know, humans, we need uh, the life raft. We need uh, we uh, is, uh, to navigate this. this. There needs to be some kind of a organizing principles right yep. that 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 um that kind of a govern all these impulses and psyches and everything to i like be, life raft to be I, like, I really like life raft isn't that right there, there's something <laughs> I, I guess that's the first thing that as you describe the situation that's the picture that comes to mind because you yeah. know, like all the white water, you know, like you're yeah. all the currents or the the yeah. terrace and everything. Yeah. So that's that's something. Yeah, I think that's it. That I mean, 
and again, I don't have to prove it if I'm if I'm talking about it from the the standpoint of the impact that it has on my nervous system and subsequently my ability to navigate the world, I don't have to prove that. That's a subjective experience that I can attest to and that's the proof. If I say, well, I do better the days that I have faith in my life raft, I do better than the days where I don't, that's the proof, that's the experiment. So, okay, so let's, let's just like unpack that, that part. So you said early on that certain people, their raft, life raft is that notion of God. So when they think they are the God, you know, they are very powerful. That it, it just mobilizes, you know, lots of things within them. You know, they're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in order to fight with the, the life's challenges, right? Mm-hmm. And then certain life's people, certain people say, I'm nothing. I, you know, that is probably just being nothingness can be, uh, you know, maybe in some way a laugh raft too, because, you know, yeah. they are not taking lots of risks, right? So, uh, you it's know, a, like nothing, nothingness. Mechanism. So there's it a whole a continuum. Yeah. There seems to be like a continuum of faith, right? Or we call it beliefs. You know, if you believe you're a powerful God, or you believe I'm, you are nothingness. It's all something that we into individual for whatever, maybe the social conditioning or life experiences we land on. Like those are the, the fundamental beliefs or life rafts, right? Mm-hmm. So that leads another question, which is, you know, among all these things, somehow I think Louds appeals to me more because it doesn't give it doesn't lift us to that very you know godlike thing, no. or it's not like say oh I'm just total I'm a total dust uh, there's not not nothing there. Somehow I feel, feel Louds's idea that Tao, yep, has a more naturalistic or it's more real mm-hmm. than the other alternatives. What's your experience on that? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, first there's the third treasure, which is moderation. And I think that again, Mm -hmm. it's the brilliance of the three treasures. They're so simple and they work together functionally Mm -hmm. just so beautifully. And I've yet to, I might encounter it someday, but I've yet to encounter a situation where if I'm not applying where if I'm applying the three treasures that it doesn't help me navigate the situation. So I'll let you know if it ever happens. <laughs> okay. Um, but Lao Tzu says, you know, we're part of this great mystery. So that's something, but Lao Tzu also doesn't say there's this grand God in heaven and you're going to be an angel. And you know, there's this war between good and evil. And, right. None of that stuff is, is there. I mean, there's. I'm not super familiar with his work, but I see his quotes all the time, so I feel like I know him somewhat. Charles Bukowski, but you know, he really talks about how you know once you understand that hell doesn't exist anywhere except for on Earth, then there's a lot more freedom. That you know, 
the mystery that Lao Tzu gives us doesn't have hell. And that's something else that I think just functionally and psychologically, if you're going to believe in something, I would much rather believe in the life raft where there is no hell except for the hell that can be experienced in our own bodies than one that posits that mm-hmm. there's a hell where we're going to be tortured forever. Why is that? You know, I'm very curious about it because, you know, for, you know, in other religious beliefs, that hell can be a motivating factor because it scares you. And then, <laughs> so you won't, you, you'll be, uh, you know, afraid of doing sort of bad things. Yeah, I mean, and that's it, exactly. It's that it, hell seems to have been mm-hmm. created as a tool for getting people in line, yeah. and controlling their behavior. And, you know, in the past, maybe that worked and that was great. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it served a purpose. In human history, I don't really care because all I know, again, is that functionally, psychologically, it it does not help me and um, I need something else. Mm, Interesting. But do you beyond yourself, your personal experience, I think I, you know, I think I share your sentiment that sometimes, you know, intimidation or when I feel when I interact with somebody, you know, I can sense somebody is, you know, is is trying to use fear to motivate me. That usually doesn't work very well with me, <laughs> you know, I, because personally I can see that. But also when I see the society as a whole, I feel like the appeal to fear seem seem to be losing. You know, maybe in some sector in some sectors of uh, society, it's even stronger. You know, people yeah. use fear, like, you know, the geopolitical forces, you know, yeah. when you see the TikTok, you see the, the all these, you know, con- politicians, you know, they project fear and, and anxiety, you know, of China, you know, all these. I think maybe it's still working in some sectors, but overall, I think we humans have evolved so much that I feel sometimes that old way of using fear to motivate people is losing its effectiveness. Yeah, for sure. I think just because there's a a deterioration in so faith, I think in the past people did have more faith in institutions and communities and Mm -hmm. the social fabric. And unfortunately, because of how institutions have abused people and neglected people's needs. Yeah, 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 I can see that. People don't have that faith in those anymore. And so, yeah, there's sort of like this collective shrug of the shoulders that, you know, the president said something. Oh, who cares? Who cares what the president said? Yeah, yeah. It seems like the old way of faith is just lose is 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 uh, is weakening, but as we said earlier, that need for the life raft is still there. That fundamental desire, 
as a human being is there. It's just like we're just losing faith in the in the old way, you know, as you said, you know, maybe in institutions, in the old values. It seems like we are in that transitional period. Yeah, um, you know, and, and whether or not that's globally or, mm. I mean, obviously there's a lot of countries that are where destabilization is happening and there's just this collective mm-hmm. loss of faith and in institutions as a whole. I think there, that there's some countries that are doing better than others, but clearly there, there is big changes brewing around the world. We're, we're in a very unique place where we can see the whole connectedness of the globe at once, but at the same time, there's this intense anxiety and shakiness around the world and nobody knows what's going to happen. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's the climate change threats, there's nuclear war threats, there's autocratic leaders threats. You know, there's, there's people concerned about the next plague that might come. People find like, there's no hiding how chaotic the world is and how no one is in control. No one is in charge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're all, we're all left to our own. Like we're, it's up to us. So what are we going to do? And that's where it's like, I need to build a life raft because no one else is. Yeah. 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 That, 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 again, that's, I love it. So what does that, what, 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 what does that, that life raft or to use the analogy from the Bible, you know, like the Noah's Ark, right? It's like somebody, you know, is building a no. I mean, maybe not collectively for all of us, but it seems like, you know, to we individually need to build something. Uh, but what does that thing look like? Would that that help us navigate? Do you have any thoughts on those? Like, let's you continue to it. Obviously, in the world we're living in, you know, uh, we need a life raft. But mm-hmm. what does what what does that look like and feel like? Well, I'm going to draw upon inactive cognitive science and and make a parallel connection to walking the time of sway and an active cognitive science really all it means is again it's it's this biologically centered way of looking at things which is that mm-hmm. i bring forth a world my nervous system brings forth a world that's unique to me there is a world out there i just i have a unique view of it just like we each do and like each creature on the planet does yes so, yes so the life raft is something, um, this is where I'm, I'm going to quote Varela, but it's essentially something, it's a path laid down by walking. So walking the timeless way, it's not like the path it exists out there and we just have to follow it. It's 
it's a path that's laid down by walking it. Um, I remember a uh, something some someone said, like there is a kind of a knowledge called participatory knowledge. Have you ever heard about that? Just like because a lot of the knowledge is imparted is given to us, right? So you learn in the books. But there is a certain type of knowledge what is is by doing, by forming relationship. Then you gain insights from there. It sounds like it seems like to me you're saying that no one in the world, no leaders, no institutions will give us a formula and or even they tend, you know, they pretend they they have a formula, right? They give it to us and say, oh, follow me. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't work. No. Um, that doesn't work. Um, what is really working is to kind of cultivate a spirit in us mm-hmm. and 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 grow it and cultivate it. Mm-hmm. And then some somehow, you know, charted our own path. Yes. Is that what you're thinking about? That is the, the true. That is the true life right. raft. To, yep, to find our That's own quote-unquote salvation, right? I, you know, I use the word because nobody is going to save us, save, save you or me. Exactly. We we have to walk that path, and that that is where, when you're asking the questions, I can answer all those questions because of how I understand I need to walk the path, the path that I need to walk. If I just say do what I do. Well, you have a different nervous system. Than mm-hmm. me. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And the world that you bring forth is different than me. So if I, if I'm so arrogant as to say, oh yeah, just do what I do that. I mean, that's arrogant. Like I, I don't know. I really don't know. And I think that's the beauty of Taoism. Again, it's not mm-hmm. dogmatic because Lao Tzu could see or Maybe he just got lucky in how he wrote things, but we have our own mystery that we're walking. I don't, I need to unravel my mystery. I can't unravel your mystery. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes, yes, yes. Um, can you give our listeners some sense of how do you actually do it on a daily or a moment-to-moment basis, let's say, to build upon what you just said. So your mystery is the only one in kind, right? So there's no other copy over there. It's just, you're just like, but how do you, how do, you do that? How do you that walk, walk that your own path uh, in a more, you know, let's say, operational way, you know, pragmatic way on a daily basis? Yeah, the fundamentally still at the um, sort of the the hard work is still I lean heavily into the the three treasures. I've also created a parallel. Like if I was going to write um, my own kind of new new version of Tao Te Ching, I, I wouldn't throw out the Lao's three treasures, but I've created in addition what I call the three sacred gifts, mm-hmm. 
and my the the patients that I work with, I try to instill them and in, in them if it, if they're interested, and I try to practice them as well. So for me, practicing the three treasures and the three sacred gifts that's a daily mm-hmm. thing. That is the spiritual work that I try to work on and embody. So let me tell you what the three sacred gifts are. It's acceptance, compassion, and forgiveness. And so acceptance, there's an infinite amount of work within all these. So you never run out of ways to practice it because acceptance is all kinds of things. Again, Mm. it's, it's that acceptance that I'm alone in my nervous system. No one else is ever going to know what it's like to experience my world and vice versa. So that acceptance that I'm kind of, we're all alone and, and right. Okay. Okay. Yep. 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 That's just one of many things that we have to accept. Again, there's infinite things where as we walk the timeless way, we discover more things that we have to accept the truth of that. Unfortunately, (laughs) most of them are, are psychologically painful. It doesn't mean that they're bad, but accepting them, usually we have to let go of things and generally letting go of things is painful. Right, 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 right. But, but there is, it's a process. We have to do it. It's like shedding skin. It might hurt, but we have to shed skin to grow new skin. Right. Uh, painful as it is, why, what ultimately that, that three gift, you know, one of the three gifts, what, what does that do to you? Like acceptance. So acceptance, there's, it, it's, it's hard your into, energy or it saves you from all the, well, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, it does. It, it's like quit fighting things that you can't fight because there's just, there's, there's no point. It's a waste of time. Kind of the uphill battle, right? Just quit fighting those, you know, battles. Yeah. Quit struggling with with things and, and wasting all of your energy on things that you can't do anything about. I see. So there's kind of that acceptance of, you know, a million things that we have to learn to accept. Mm-hmm. And so this is how the three gifts work together because then the, generally the next thing is, is that when we recognize I'm not this like grand child of God, but rather it's the opposite. I'm this really like feeble creature yeah, yeah. that lives in a giant blind spot. What can come out of that then is compassion. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. No, no wonder you feel the way that you feel and no wonder you're so scared all the time. And no wonder you have all these doubts and concerns and and you know all this stuff because that's because of all the things that you had to accept you have that realization then Mm -hmm. and compassion oh i just want to be kind to myself because wow like what a horrible situation to be in where you're alive and have all this consciousness and all this sensitivity to the things going on in the world, and you can't do anything about it. Mm, yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can even feel that because once you realize, once you accept, 
that's the kind of a natural flow of self compassion, right? Which eventually will flow to other people, other compassion. Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. And, and so then that leads to the third sacred gift then, which is forgiveness. So now I don't have to carry all this guilt and shame around anymore because I, I'm not responsible for the state of the world. It's not my fault that the world and life and the situation that I'm in is what it is. It's not because I'm a failure or a bad person. It's that I'm this feeble little creature just trying to get through the mystery that I don't understand. Right. So I can forgive myself and I can forgive others for their limitations. Mm -hmm. So now we have these two basic kind of virtues that we're working with. We have, and they, and they overlap. So, you know, Lao Tzu's three treasures compassion is one that's also one of the three sacred gifts so they they link up there but they are slightly different right i, I find acceptance compassion and forgiveness psychologically um works in certain situations where other situations louts's moderation kindness and not putting yourself first can be helpful, but it's like a right hand and a left hand kind of inter, interlocking, like together they support e each other and hold each other up. I just try to practice them. I just try to practice those virtues. And it's, and that is walking the timeless way for, for me. And it, it shows up in a lot of different ways, but right, right. that's the spiritual work for me. I see. That's that's extremely helpful. Yeah, I mean, just uh, listening to it, and uh, you know, I'm trying to think about my own, uh, you know, experience and journey. Yeah, it does uh, resonate uh, a lot with me. And I, you know, I can imagine that you know today our conversation we're at the toward the end of the hour, and uh, just time flies by. You know, I, 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 you know, let's continue this conversation. You know, in you know, trying to figure out and find the, the life raft uh, in the world we are living in. Uh, I want to thank, you know, our listeners for uh, being part of this conversation. And uh, if you are interested in donating any amount, um, you know, to support in our podcast, please do so at the walkingthetimelessway.com. Thank you so much.